Good morning. Hope you, all a, hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know I did. Um, Thanksgiving has got to be one of the one of my my favorite holidays, favorite time of the year. Um, I love the food. I love time with family and friends. But I, I think the holiday, this Thanksgiving holiday season, seems to be getting shorter every year. There's a conflict in our neighborhood uh, around this time every year. Uh, some of our neighbors believe that Christmas decorations cannot be put out until the day after Thanksgiving. Um, well, there's others that completely disregard this, and they, they take down their Halloween decorations, and then they put all the Christmas lights and the reindeer and the Santa uh, right there at the beginning of November. Some people seem to just skip Thanksgiving altogether, uh, except for the, you know, the food there, Thanksgiving Day, the, um, the football, the, the feasting. In fact, giving thanks on Thanksgiving Day doesn't, doesn't even seem to last longer than the last piece of pumpkin pie is consumed. Black Friday sales seem to show up earlier and earlier each year, reminding everyone of the things that we don't have. Thanksgiving seems to be dying in our culture. And I'm not just referring to the holiday. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul gives this warning, but understand this, that in the last days, there will become times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents. And then Paul includes ungrateful. I was not planning on preaching about unthankfulness earlier this week. Um, the last couple days, really since Thanksgiving, God it's really working in my heart and uh, redirecting my plans. He's been kind of exposing the, the gravity of my ingratitude. Um, and so today, I, I want to spend a few minutes addressing the serious sin of unthankfulness. Uh, giving thanks is not something that we do once a year, um, or it's not even something we just do, you know, three times a day at meals. It must be the orientation of our hearts every moment of every day. Because unthankfulness is a sin, as we'll see today. And, and what's more, it leads to, to all types of different sins. Today I want to show you from God's word that unthankfulness is a serious sin. And, and perhaps one of, one of the primary sins, it's, it's that serious. After we take time to consider what God has to say about unthankfulness, um, we're going to talk about what it means to give thanks, what we are to give thanks for, and, and how, do we, how do we cultivate a heart of gratitude. But let's just begin by asking God to, um, well, thanking him for his word, and then asking him to, to teach us and to change us through it today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving your word to us in the Bible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that illuminates our hearts so that we can understand and apply it. And we just ask today that you would, you would plant your word deep within us in a way that will produce the fruit of thankfulness for the glory of God. We pray through Christ. Amen. Please take your Bible and turn with me to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. What is the source of sin? What is, what is that to, at its root, the root of sin? 
Romans 1 to 3, Paul gives us uh, a treatise on sin and man's sinfulness leading up to the conclusion that Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you're in Romans 1, you can look down um, at verse 29, uh, where Paul gives us really just a sample list of what he calls all manner of unrighteousness, of evil and covetousness, malice, full of envy, uh, murder, strife. The list goes on and on. But where does that come from? Where is its root? For that, I think we have to look back up at, at verse 18. Let's just start reading there. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Paul begins in a really startling way. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Let me pause here. As we begin, I, I realize some people, some people may have difficult time accepting the concept, this concept of God's wrath. Maybe that's because of our experience with, um, with human anger. That's uh, not holy, not righteous. But consider this. If you're a parent here today, um, in the same way that you would be, you would be livid with anger to discover that you're your only child was murdered, no, tortured, and then murdered. So our Heavenly Father is, is angry against the sin that led his only son to be brutally killed on the cross. Sin is, sin is awful. And ultimately, God the Father actually poured out his wrath um, that he had for sin on his son on the cross because Jesus was, he was bearing the sin of the world on himself. That's, that's how awful sin is. And so back to verse 18. For the, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of sin, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Not only was God's wrath revealed in times past, you have Noah's day with the flood or um, the Israelites um, taken into exile, Babylonian captivity, or in an ultimate sense at the cross. But there is yet coming a day of of judgment when God's wrath will be released upon all those who have not repented and received the free gift of salvation through Jesus' blood. But are people really guilty of deserving God's wrath and punishment? And Paul says yes. In verse 18, because they have suppressed the truth. So what's the truth that they have suppressed? What's, what have they pushed away? So verse 19 continues, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly perceived. How? Ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. Creation points to a creator. Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. From the galaxies down to the atom, the masterpiece of God's handiwork is, is all around us. And it's in us. We are part of God's creation, which means we belong to him. I think everyone, if they, if they have eyes to see, is, is able to, um, to understand that, that, that God exists. And, and he is sovereign. But Paul says in verse 21, although they knew God, they could see evidence of the existence of God. They did what? I think this gets us down to the very heart of their rejection of God. 
the heart of their sin. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. At the root of their sinful rebellion, the rejection of God is a failure to glorify and give thanks to God. Unthankfulness is then one of the primary roots, I believe, of sin. You know, just think back with me to man's original sin in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. What, what led Eve to sin by taking the fruit? Genesis 3, verse 6, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. At the root of her desire for what was forbidden was unthankfulness for what God had actually given. Say that again. The, the root, at the root of Eve's desire for the forbidden, the fruit, was unthankfulness for what God had given. The serpent began his temptation by getting her to question God's goodness, focusing on what God had, had kept from her. And Satan does the same thing today. <clears throat> let's, just, let's just think about a few of the different sins um, that we are, we are drawn to, um, that we fall into. How, how, how unthankfulness leads us into them. Right, let's start with greed, covetousness. <clears throat> when we fail to give thanks for the housing, for the, for the vehicle, for the job, um, for the church, for the relationships, um, for who God has made us to be, our body, when we, we fail to give thanks for these things that God has given us, what, the, what is the result? That often leads us to, to sinfully desire, to covet, um, to strive after of money or, or status or possessions or um, all those things that, that we don't have. At its root, greed and covetousness is it's, it's unthankfulness. You see, it's idolatry. Failing to give thanks in our current situation and making a God out of what we don't have. Let's talk about lust, immorality. Similarly, when we fail to give thanks to God and be satisfied in him, and as well as the spouse or the singleness that God has given us, we will be more susceptible to lust, sexual temptation outside of God's boundaries of blessing. And you can flip this around. If, if you're trying to fight temptation, if you're here today wondering, how do I fight lust? What better way than to give thanks to for God, how God made you. Give thanks for beauty. Give thanks for your spouse, for your future spouse that God has for you. You know, when you take time to give thanks for God's good gifts, those people in your life, it's less likely that you will sin against them. Let's take anxiety and fear. If, if you're worried about what may happen in the future, whether that's to your children or your health or our country, it's likely that you aren't taking time to, to give thanks for what God has given in the present. Because a heart of thankfulness causes us to focus on God's goodness. And when we do that, when, when we're filled, when we fill our mind with gratitude for the good that God is doing, even amidst suffering and, and sadness or uncertainty, our faith is strengthened and we're less likely to struggle with fear and anxiety. I, I've shared with you... Um, I'll just get personal here and just share with you how unthankfulness is, <clears throat> have I, I've seen it 
in my own heart, I've shared with some of you that I've, at this stage of my life, I get really frustrated with my, excuse me, with my, uh, with my boys. Um, they're at this age that can be uh, very frustrating. I love them, but there's, you wouldn't believe some of the things they do that, uh, that make me, um, that, that cause me, that, that point me towards sinful anger, um, frustration with them. And what I've really come to realize the past few days is that um, when, when, I, when I have a proper, like a heart of, of thankfulness for my kids, I'm expressing that thankfulness. It is much less likely that I will, I will be sinfully angry with them. In contrast, unthankfulness often leads to sinful anger, leads to harshness. And here's my point. If, you have, if you've thought of thankfulness as <clears throat> maybe a type of, like a optional, like a, like a bonus virtue, something that's, that's good to do once in a while, but it's not required. Um, or for people who are just generally happy and that's their gift, you know, they're, they're appreciative people. I hope you can see today that it, it's much more serious than that. For those of you who play video games, um, you know, where you have to complete this certain mission, uh, don't, don't think of thankfulness as, as like an extra, you know, bonus challenge that you just pick up along the way. It, it's not optional. Thankfulness is, it's part of your mission. It's, it's a command. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Thankfulness is a command, which also means that unthankfulness is a serious sin. It's the root of many other sins. Um, one, of, one of the reasons why I think God directed me to study and preach the sermon is that I, I think I had I'd come to the, um, to the false conclusion that thankfulness, again, is, is relegated to um, something we do, um, you know, at mealtime or, or something we do. It's a, diff- a specific type of prayer. Um, it's something that we, we do when we, we write a thank you note to someone else. When in fact, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's supposed to be my heartbeat, my heart attitude. It should permeate every decision that I make, every response that I have, every word that I speak, every thought that I think. It isn't enough that my heart is occasionally thankful. I need to live in a way that my heart is, it's filled with thankfulness. Regardless of my personality or spiritual gift, or regardless of whether I feel like it or not, I am commanded to give thanks. And what's more, I have the privilege to give thanks for all that God has given to me. If I fail to view life with this heartbeat of thanksgiving, I'm, I'm actually living in sin. And I'm setting myself up for other sins. That's what God has been teaching me. I hope um, it's clear for you today as well. Unthankfulness is a serious sin. For the rest of our time, I, I want to transition um, to talk about thankfulness. What, what does it look like? Um, what should we be thankful for? How do we, how do we give thanks? So first off, what, what does the Bible say we're supposed to be grateful for? What, what's cause for thanksgiving? If you were to take a sheet of paper right now and just start writing down all the things that God has given, all the things that we could have to be thankful for, which, by the way, I encourage you to do sometime, right? not right now, but, um, or assign it to your kids sometime, um, that list could be endless, right? You just keep on going. 
However, let me just give you a few categories, causes for thanksgiving as given to us in God's word. First of all, food. First Timothy 4, 4, Paul is speaking of food and he says this, he says, um, everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. You remember Jesus, um, when he gave thanks before, he, he gave thanks before feeding the 5,000 in Matthew 15 or or when he's at the Lord's, uh, when he instituted the Lord's Supper there before his death and with his disciples, he, he broke bread and he gave thanks on his final night. As Solomon observed in Ecclesiastes, enjoy food and drink with thanksgiving for it is, it's God's good gift to you. I sat down on Thanksgiving dinner um, to a an incredible Thanksgiving dinner that my wife Suzanne prepared. Turkey, ham, green beans, sweet potato casserole, uh, which is an essential part of Thanksgiving dinner, by the way. Um, and I just, I just sighed with satisfaction. And then we, we bowed our heads and, and prayed, thank God for, for giving us food and drink to enjoy. And then I did it all over again when the pecan pie came out. Um, food is a good gift from God. It doesn't mean that you eat tons of it. I'm, I'm, avoid gluttony, right? But there's a, like inappropriate portions God wants you to, to delight in and in, to enjoy and to give thanks to him for, for food. Give thanks for food. Receive food and drink and thank God for it as a good gift from his gracious hand. You know, kids, this also means you give thanks when mom makes something you don't particularly care for. Um, I was talking to one of the young, or I heard one of the young boys in our church recently stated that he doesn't want to get married when he grows up because as a single, he can just go out to restaurants all the time and, and for every meal. Not quite sure that's a good reason to stay single, um, but receive the, the daily bread that God provides and give thanks for it. Even if it's the same food every day as it was for the Israelites. God has given us food. Number two, family. Ephesians 6.2 says, honor your father and your mother. One of the ways that we show respect to our parents is by giving thanks to God for them. I have the unique privilege uh, to actually have my parents with me here today from Atlanta, Mark and Janice. Um, So I want to thank them publicly for a moment um, because I think that's biblical. Uh, When you become a parent and you begin raising children, you you start having this new appreciation for your parents. So today, I thank, I thank God for a mom who carried me in her womb for nine months through pain and discomfort, who woke up in the middle of the night to feed me when I was young, spent long hours in the hospital caring for me when I was recovering from collapsed lungs, who comforted and counseled me and encouraged me to pursue after God with my whole heart, who sacrificed her life and energy and, and time to teach, disciple me, and pray for me, who taught me to to love music, love people, love God, love his word. I thank God for my dad, who gave up promotions and prestige in his occupation to, so he could spend more time with his family. Demonstrated patience and humility in the home, who gave generously of his finances and his strength to others, who taught me by his example to work hard, care for the weak, serve sacrificially. I thank God that they continue to be faithfully serve God to this day. It is good and right to thank God for the family God has given us. It's also good for us to thank God for our church family, brothers and sisters in Christ. 
Paul wrote 13 of the epistles that we have in the New Testament, at least 13. And in all but one of them, Galatians, he begins his letter by reminding the churches that he, he thanks God every time he thinks of them. I have the references on your handout. 1 Corinthians 1.4, I give thanks to my God always for you. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. 1 Thessalonians 1.2, we give thanks to God always for all of you. Constantly mentioning you in our prayers. Paul, thank, Paul thanks God for his brothers and sisters in Christ. And specifically, he thanks God for their steadfastness in the faith, <clears throat> for their love for all the saints, for their spiritual growth. He thanks God for the fruit of the gospel, for the grace God gave them, their testimony among the world. You'll notice he, he doesn't merely thank God for the perceived good things that are happening to him or to them. I mean, after all, in many of his letters, Paul's writing from where? From prison. And for many Christians there in the first century, life, life is filled with, with persecution and suffering and death. So while Paul didn't say that it's the will of God to give thanks for everything that happens, including things like imprisonment that clearly not good from a human perspective, Paul does still charge them, give thanks in everything including suffering. That brings us to our next cause for thanksgiving. How does that make the list? James goes as far as to tell us, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Peter says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify, let him thank God in that name thanking God in the midst of suffering. Matthew Henry, a famous Bible commentator, once had his, his wallet stolen from him. In that time, is referred to as a purse. Um, as he reflected on the incident in his journal, Henry wrote, let me be thankful. First, because he never robbed me before. Second, because although he took my purse, my wallet, he did not take my life. Third, because although he took all I possessed, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed. Someone who is walking in the Spirit is able to give thanks even in times of suffering, times of sadness, when a church trailer is stolen. And yet sometimes there, there seems to be no silver lining in suffering, which we're experiencing. You know what I mean? For those of you who are experiencing profound suffering that seems to never end, how, how do you give thanks even in that? We give thanks in suffering because Christ suffered for us and defeated the curse of sin and sickness. We, we can give thanks even in our suffering because by his suffering, death has been defeated and we have hope that one day, he will bring justice on this world. He, he will bring in new creation where there will no longer be any pain or suffering or tears. And this brings us to our greatest cause for thanksgiving, and that is Christ himself. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Paul concludes his section about the victory of Christ's death and resurrection with these words, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9.15, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. 
our greatest cause for thanksgiving is the gift of salvation through Christ. Because that was our greatest need. One of the reasons we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we did last week, last Sunday, is, is to give thanks for the gift of Christ's sacrifice on the cross for our sin. We give him thanks for finding us when we were lost, for healing us when we were sick, for giving us life when we were dead. We give thanks for Christ. But what does that look like? Right, we've talked about sin of unthankfulness, the, the, some of the causes for thanksgiving culminating in, in, in Christ, the greatest cause for thanksgiving. But what, is it, what does it look like to give thanks? How do we give thanks? For that, I'd like you to, to turn with me to, to Luke 17. Please turn with me to Luke chapter 17. In this account, Jesus gives healing and blessing, but there are two very different responses to that. We'll start reading in verse 11. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I've preached about earlier this year um, on leprosy, and um, lepers were, they were outcasts of society, ceremonially, un- ceremonially unclean. They were, they were required to stay at a distance, usually outside the village or city, and so um, they've probably heard about Jesus' miracle working, and they're, they're asking for his mercy and his healing. And verse 14 continues, when he saw them, Jesus said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests, and they went and they were cleansed, all of them. Okay, so, so as they are obey, obeying him, they're cleansed. They're restored to health. They're restored to their community. And I realize they must have been just overcome with excitement, but you would think that they would have the presence of mind to stop and give thanks to the one that just healed them, right? That, that completely transformed their life. But the next verse is shocking. Verse 15, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. That, that phrase, made well, is the Greek word for, for save been saved. In addition to being healed of leprosy, I think this man who, who evidently put his faith in Jesus, worshipped at his feet, I think he was saved that day. You, you would think that most of those, ten, those lepers would return to express gratitude, but instead of nine out of the ten, instead of 90%, you have 10%. You have one of the ten, and what's more, it's a Samaritan. Not only is he a leper, he's, he's a Samaritan, this Jewish half-breed that's greatly despised by the Jews. You know, like a Samaritan leper, each of us were sick with sin. Gentiles, according to the flesh. Dead in our trespasses and sins when Jesus showed mercy to us and made us alive. So what does this story teach us about giving thanks? 
How do we give thanks? How do we cultivate a heart of gratitude that reflects the Samaritan and not the, the nine other lepers who were healed? Well, I have five points here um, from this passage I want to share. First of all, giving thanks is not natural. Giving thanks is not natural. You know, as a parent of five boys, um, life is filled with moments of, you know, training and discipline. Currently, um, as in the last few years, we've been trying to drill into them this practice of saying thank you before they ask to be excused from the table after meals. And you know what I've learned about human nature, about myself? We are naturally very unthankful people. Thankfulness is not our default orientation, which is why we have to be reminded literally hundreds of times through the Old and New Testament to to give God thanks. If only one out of ten came to Jesus to give thanks after having their entire lives changed forever, you can know that giving thanks is not natural. We have to grow in gratitude. And part of that growth involves learning to stop and remember. Number two, giving thanks requires us to stop and remember. It requires effort and intentionality to, to stop, to, to change direction and, and, and take time to give thanks, thanks to God. In verse 15, it says that the Samaritan did what? It says he, he turned back when he saw that he was healed. He left his group. He, he returns to Jesus. Giving thanks requires us to stop and turn to Jesus. When do, you, when do you take time to give God thanks? Uh, G.K. Chesterton once said, you say grace before meals, all right. I say grace before the concert, the opera. Grace before play and pantomime. And grace before I open a book. Grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing. And grace before I dip the pen in the ink. Giving thanks to God is not an occasion It's a lifestyle. So how are you going to stop and remember to give God thanks throughout your day? I'll just give you a couple suggestions. I I would start with mealtimes. That's kind of a natural time for many families. Uh, Lately, we've been trying to give our boys an opportunity to to pray before the meal and get them to to, to give thanks for something, for anything. And we get some pretty interesting things. interesting types of things that they thank God for. Thank you for bringing Nana and Papa to our house. Thank you for our trampoline. Thank you for shovels and dirt and baseball. Thank you, God, for loving us. Meal times, I think, are great places to start cultivating a heart of gratitude, both in you and in your kids. What's, what's something else that you do regularly? Uh, we, li- we like to take walks as a family, try to do that regularly. Um, you know, take time when you're outside to, to comment on the beauty of of the world around you, of God's creation. Give him thanks there with your kids for the autumn leaves and the, the birds and the hills and the sunsets. Go out stargazing. Thank, thank God for the galaxies. What's something else you do regularly? You look at your phone. Put a screensaver with, uh, with Psalms 9 verse 1. Write that down. Psalm 9 verse 1 or 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Or Colossians 4, verse 2. Set reminders on your phone that will notify you throughout the day to give thanks. This is not 
natural. This is something that we have to, to grow in. Um, I'll give you a few other practical suggestions at the end of the sermon, but um, we must grow in gratitude by, by stopping to remember the goodness and the kindness of our God. So giving thanks requires us to stop and remember. Our next giving thanks may be public. At the end of verse 15, it says that the man praised God with a loud voice right there with everyone else around, publicly. And I would guess that many of, many of us, many of you, have, you do have thankful hearts for what God has done. But we don't always find time to express that to our family, to others that are around us. You know, thank you cards are good. Um, verbal appreciation is also important, but public gratitude is sometimes necessary. And I'm not just talking about, you know, for people, especially when it comes to praising God. You know, one of the main reasons that um, we sing together, just so you know, here in the morning, um, as part of our worship service, is, is so we can publicly voice our thanksgiving to God for what he's done for us through, in Christ. We, and, and you can ask Eric, we prioritize singable congregational music because we want to encourage everyone, everyone to use their voice, you know, like the leper who is, who is healed, to publicly thank God and, and praise him for who he is. Colossians three sixteen and 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That's how we teach one another, through psalms, through singing. And it ends with thankfulness in your hearts to God. That is how we praise God. Let me encourage you to, to give thanks to God through singing. Kids, adults, ladies, men. It doesn't have to be super loud. Probably shouldn't be for some of you. Um, but but you, can, you can make a joyful noise to the Lord. And you should make a joyful noise to the Lord. Why? Because he healed you. I realize that it's especially difficult for some to, um, to sing or to praise God publicly, to thank him publicly. And that leads to our next point. Giving thanks requires humility. Giving thanks requires humility. It says that Samaritan, he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, a clear act of worship, adoration, and he praised God. He fell at Jesus' feet. You know, I can still remember Pastor Tim's sermon there on Daniel 2. It was back earlier in this year. He encouraged us to, you know, get down on our face, worship God. Let me renew that encouragement. Take time to stop and give thanks to God with humility, with your, your face to the ground, humility and worship. That type of kind of bodily posture can help remind us uh, of our neediness for God, the giver of all good things. Isn't that what giving thanks requires? It requires us to acknowledge that we've received something that we didn't pay for or earn. Now, I realize um, sometimes, like at a restaurant, we have a few teens here that, that are working at restaurants. Um, at a restaurant, we say thank you to people who are serving us um, after we've paid them. But the root of the word thanks or, or thanksgiving in our Bible, it's actually the Greek word charis which is often translated grace. In other words, we give thanks in response to the undeserved grace 
that has been given to us. And it requires humility to give thanks. As James 4, 6 says, it also requires humility to receive grace. Giving thanks requires humility. And lastly, give thanks. giving thanks involves praising God. Giving thanks involves praising God. Verse 15 says that the man praised God, and then verse 16 says he gave thanks to Jesus. And those two words, um, uh, he praised and then gave thanks, those are actually the exact same words that are found back in Romans, describing what unbelievers have failed to do. They did not honor, praise, glorify him as God, or give thanks to him. You can see how these two concepts of honor, praise, glorifying God, and, and giving thanks go together. This is an important point that we can't miss when it comes to giving thanks to Jesus, or, or anyone for that matter. So I'm going to spend just a few minutes on this. In our thanksgiving, we must not neglect to acknowledge and praise God. That might seem super basic, but just follow me here. Listen, listen to how that changes the way that we thank people. Let me give you two examples. Okay, you guys ready? It's like the kids, you know, the pictures where you're like, here's two pictures. Which one is different? Okay, here we go. Today, I want to thank our, ch- this is legitimate too, by the way. Today, I want to thank our children's ministry workers and praise them for faithfully loving and serving our kids each week. You are doing a great job. Versus, today, I want to thank God for our children's ministry workers and praise God for the faithful love and service to our kids each week. You are doing a good work. Do you hear the difference? It's subtle, but it's a significant change. And it's biblical. Listen to Ephesians 5.20. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, I want you to look down at your handout where I've printed out all the verses on giving thanks that I've referenced today. I want you to just go and underline the recipient of each thanksgiving. Can you do that? It won't be in all the verses, in the phrases that I include. To whom do we direct our thanks? Philippians 1, 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. First Thessalonians 1, 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you. First Corinthians 15. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Second Corinthians 9. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Giving thanks involves praising God. And that should be directed towards God. Does that make sense? Now, let me clarify. This doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, when someone opens the door for you in a few minutes when you're leaving, instead of saying thank you, you need to say, I thank God for you. Maybe it does. Maybe when you write your next thank you note, instead of just expressing gratitude for their thoughtfulness, you take that opportunity to direct your thanksgiving to God for them. You say something like, I I thank God for your generosity. Or "I I praise God that he used you to really meet a need in my life. You see how that can change the way that you think about, you know, thank you notes? It can also change the way that you think about people, you know, thanking people in person. Praising God on behalf of someone's service or generosity or kindness is, is valuable. And it's valuable for multiple reasons. Number one, it magnifies God for his grace at work in someone's life. And number two, it appropriately takes the focus off of the person who's simply a channel of God's grace. 
giving thanks involves praising God. As we close, I, I want to just give you some homework to help you cultivate a heart of thankfulness. Um, no, I'm not going to require a you know, submission or anything next week. Um, these are just a few ideas I put together. How, how, how do we cultivate a heart of thankfulness? How do we grow in gratitude? Uh, number one, personalize Psalm 136. This is not something I came up with. I heard it many years ago. Uh, Dr. Nathan Crockett, in a memorable sermon, Ingratitude is a Wicked Sin, uh, impacted me. Um, he shared this idea. Psalm 136, um, it captures the story of Israel's deliverance from Egypt and his protection and provision through the wilderness. It, it just, it goes through the story. And, and at the end of each verse, end of each phrase, it, it ends with, for his steadfast love endures forever. So here's what you do. You personalize that. You, you write your story of your life. And at the end of each phrase, each story, within the story of your life. Just write that phrase. His steadfast love endures forever. Look back. Remember what God has done in your life. Number two, memorize Psalm 100. Meditate on Psalm 107. You know, we are told to give thanks over 50 times throughout the Psalms. And the, the Psalm writers, they, they do this so well. They give thanks so well. And so learn from them meditate on these psalms. Number three, write a prayer based on uh, these verses, Colossians 1, 9 through 14, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, and chapter 3, verses 15 through 17. If you read those passages, you'll see that thanks, the word thanks or thanksgiving shows up five different times in just those three passages. So pray that God would, pray that God would make you a thankful person. Em employ God's words in your prayer. Number four, write out a list of 100 gifts from God. Got this from my mom many, many years ago. Um, remember my mom assigning me to this task. And when I was a kid, I thought, that's impossible. I can't write 100, 100, a list of 100 anything. Um, but after just a few minutes, I, I had well over 100 things on my list. Amazing. Tra train your heart. Like tra training your heart to give thanks. It's, it's kind of like working out a muscle. It's hard, but it's, it's good. And then number five, write a letter of, of gratitude to three people uh, this month. Um, maybe continue the next month. Write three other people. I just have three categories here. Write a, write a letter to family. Start with your parent. That'd be a good place to start. Um, secondly, write a letter to a friend, someone that has impacted you. Teacher, a coacher, a, co a coacher, a, a teacher, a mentor, and a, or a coach. Somebody that's... Um, that has pointed you to Jesus, that has impacted you. Um, and then thirdly, write a letter to an unsaved acquaintance. Do you have somebody in your mind, a, a, a relative, a past coworker, a politician? Well, why didn't I include that, to write a letter to them? So you may not know them so well, so you could thank them for so many things, but write, I want you to, to write a letter, um, you know, expressing your thanks to God for what he's done in your life. And in so doing, sharing the powerful work of the gospel in your own life and sharing that with someone that you, you care about, that you have interacted with in the past. You know, a few moments, um, here's number six that I haven't included on here, some homework. We'll have Discipleship Connect 
um, which is an additional, you know, 45 minutes or so where you are able to take this, <clears throat> this time where the kids are still upstairs and, and pray together and allow the truth of God's word to kind of resonate. Um, would you take that time to give thanks to God together? Just go around and, and praise God for what he's done in the past, what he's doing in the present. As we close, I'm, I'm going to actually, we're going to sing. Um, my heart is filled with thankfulness. Um, and then I'll pray. And I'm going to have you stand. And I don't want you to sing this if it's, if it's not the case. Um, or maybe sing it as a prayer. You know? God, would you fill my heart with thankfulness? Fill my heart to overflowing. So that's not just something that I, I say once a year or three times a day at meals. It's something that guides my words and my thinking, everything that I do. Let us give thanks to God together. Would you stand and sing with me?